There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game, fortunate enough to meet some of the legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watch them shine in the game. Now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today's legend, he was a second overall pick in the 1978 draft. 15-year NHL veteran, over 1,000 games. He played with the Caps, the Habs, the Canucks. He won a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens. At one point, he was the youngest captain in NHL history. Post-career, he went on to coach in the NHL, uh, led our Canadian national women's team for a while, spent over nine years on air as one of the brethren in broadcasting, as well as three seasons as the president of the Abbotsford Heat of the American Hockey League. On top of all that, he's an accomplished motivational speaker, an author, a leadership expert. So pleased to be joined by my buddy, Ryan Walter. Ryan, how are you, pal? Uh, Gino, as you know, good, buddy. Good to see you again. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. I was just saying before we started recording that you and I bump into each other on a professional basis a lot, like at different events. You're speaking at something or you're appearing at something, but we don't really get a chance to connect because we're both doing what we're supposed to be doing. So this is going to be a lot of fun to actually talk and see how you're doing personally, which is going to be great. Yeah. It's great. Great to catch up. And, and, you know, it's funny, you and I have been doing what we're doing for a long time now. Like, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I, I remember way back. I mean, uh, uh, it's fun, you know, from a, a playing point of view, a broadcasting point of view, it's always great to bump into you. Yeah, it is fun. The difference between the backdrop that you have is the, the jerseys you wore. The backdrop I have is <laughs> the jerseys that buddies of might have given me over the years. That's the major difference, right? <laughs> well, well, I'm you know I'm I'm very thankful, uh, Gino. I finally had uh, you know did a little. My wife Jenny and I did a little work uh, getting all of those jerseys put together. It was really uh, in my uh, from my career. It was really the one thing that I was hoping you know to get up on the wall was um, team has been such an important part of my life in our lives that, you know, it's, it's fun. I don't need trophies up there. I don't need anything else. It's, it's just that reminder. It's funny when you look at a Jersey, you remember the people. Yeah. Can I, can I talk about one person that you got a chance to, uh, it's funny because you're, you're my age. We're similar in age. We're kind of <laughs> like the sandwich generation where we're taking care of our parents and our kids at, yes. rank at exactly the same time. You were kind of like the sandwich generation in the nhl where as you were coming in mm. gordy howe was just wrapping things up so yep. as well as the jerseys you got to wear it's the people you got to meet along the way that were so unbelievably influential mm. share that with our audience 
Yeah, that's a great, uh, great. Uh, thanks for taking me back. Um, you know, it's interesting. I saw Gordy. Uh, you know, I got to see some, uh, spend some time with Gordy Howe um, back when I was a 19-year-old junior hockey player. And uh, I don't know if people remember this, but the World Hockey Association was up and and running, and uh, they were trying to take away all the top picks. Yeah. So Hartford, uh, you know, so so Gino, you're going to love these names. So so they Hartford flies me in because they're wanting me to sign with them in the world in the world hockey instead of go to the NHL That's, draft. Yeah. And uh, and so they sit me. They're they're playing games at the end of the season. They're in the playoffs, and they sit me at a pregame meal with Pine McKenzie, Dave Keon, and Gordy Howe. Come wow. on. Come right, on. like, like uh, now, the, now, now, for some of the younger generation that are watching your show, you got to Google those three names, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when you Google but, them, you know what happens is legends, legends, oh yeah, legends. Uh, and so Gordy, you know, here's here's a great insight into Gordy. He's just an amazing guy. I love the way he always made everybody feel so comfortable off the ice, not on the ice, like yeah, off no. the ice. But, you know, everybody else is back in the day, right, having steak and, you know, pregame meal was a typical, you know, French fries, onion rings. And here's Gordy Howe, you know, at, you know, he'd be, he, you know, I played against him at 52 the next year. Yeah. Um, but at 50-51, you know, he's got a little bit of cottage cheese. He's got celery. He's got salad. And just a little tiny piece of chicken, right? No, you know, I'm a, I'm a 19-year-old kid. Uh, you know, I'm not worried about what I eat, but I'm watching Gordy, right? Why Why was he the best of the best? He was, you know, everything was was done for a reason. And uh, and I love that about Gordy. One more story about Gordy Howe. Next year, I'm in Washington. I signed with the Capitals. And uh, we're playing against Hartford. And, of course, all those guys are there, right? Gordy's playing with his sons. And uh, Bent Gustafson, great hockey player for us, he... Uh, runs marty howe <laughs> like just like ben ben was a pretty tough swede right like he he runs marty howe and the next shift out gordy even before the puck drops gordy goes after bent and chases him around the ice <laughs> like he's gonna he's gonna beat on ben gustafson you know oh my goodness uh, it, it, just an amazing guy but right the big thing about him was he didn't do it just on image like uh, I mean, you know this. So just to clarify to our audience, a lot of the of today's hockey, you know, superstars are they're slim. They're not that yeah. big. They <laughs> don't spend a lot of time in the workout room. They don't, you know, they don't do a lot yeah. of stuff in terms of building muscle mass. Gordy could might have been one of the strongest players. Oh yeah, I ever met. I mean, he had those freaking shoulders and his yeah. forearms and his hands. This guy was chiseled. Decades before anybody even knew what the word chiseled meant. Yeah, and part of that, you know, is and people know this is, you know, uh, we're we're in Edmonton to do a gig tomorrow, and so I think of the prairies, and here's Gordy, you know, out on the prairies, like working like all summer. So, so you know, you mentioned that we might be the the sandwich, you know, the people, the the, the players in the middle, and I think that's a good example. I think I, I read somewhere that, you know, Gordy, you know, made 5K for, you know, for a season and, you know, often had to work in the summer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I and I remember thinking as a kid, I signed in Washington that first year, I made 25,000 bucks as a signing bonus. And like I was going 25, you're kidding, you know, like. 
Like things have changed a little bit, Gino. (laughs) You know what else has changed is, is the leadership thing. You were, you were a guy ahead of your time. I mean, for people who followed your career, they famously knew that you, you got named as the captain of the caps. Uh, They drafted you second overall back in 78, which at that point, now it's not that big a deal. Hughes has got the C. Connor McDavid got the C when he was really yeah. young. Uh, you know, it's it's not uncommon to see a young guy get the C. In your yeah. age, the young guy, we, no one gave a rat's butt where you got drafted. You mm-hmm. sit in the corner, you be quiet, and you listen to the veterans. Yeah. For them to yeah. hand you the C, to me, was the very, very first indication I ever got about the kind of leader that mm-hmm. you – clearly were what did that mean to you when that happened because that was completely out of the norm back then it was yeah really good point and and i think the first thing that most of us as uh, whether we're leaders or we don't feel like we're leaders i think the first thing is not me <laughs> like like don't give me all that responsibility i actually uh had been a, a captain in in uh, in seattle in the Western Hockey League before I was drafted, and then I was captain of the World Juniors, and so I had a feel, you know, of, of the pressure of you know, and 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 maybe a little bit of how to hold myself and stuff. I think the reason the Capitals—I've never asked Max McNabb, and he passed way too early. Wonderful guy, our GM, but I think one of the reasons that, that the Capitals, uh, you know, felt that I should wear the C at that point. Was, was maybe a little bit more over values, right? Like I sort of shared the values that the organization was hoping, you know, to become. And, and we were a young team under, you know, struggling, right? Struggling to put wins together. So I think part of that was I was not the tough guy on the team and, and I am not a tough guy. But growing up in the dub, you sort of had to learn how to take care of yourself. So yeah. We'd go into Philly and, you know, if somebody came my way, I'm not going to win the fight, but, you know, I'm not going to back down. I think that's what they were looking for, right, is is a compete level that would sort of set an example. So I messed up. Oh, my goodness. You know, you look back in your life. I can remember, you know, I've messed up so much uh, being a young captain. And here's what I wish I would have had. And, and, you know, this takes us maybe into where we're at today is I wish I would have had a mentor that had been there before me and could and could jump on a phone call or two or a Zoom call and just, you know, just be in, uh, just be available, right? Yeah. You know, because I, I needed to run some things off of people. Uh, but, you know, and, and, I, and I had great teammates. So Guy Chiron, Guy Chiron was awesome. I, I loved him. And, you know, I talked to Mike Gartner often. But I needed somebody that was that had an understanding of leadership at the time in that culture that could, you know, that could be my mentor. Which brings me to a guy that I think maybe you don't consider a mentor, but I think he had a pretty impactful role in your life. Uh, a combination of a lot of turbulence in an airplane <laughs> and John yeah, yeah. Provo, who at that point was yeah. wrapping up his career with the Caps as you were coming in. He was one of those veterans in the room. Tell me about the combination of those two and the impact that they had. In your life. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that's a, that's a great combination. You know, Jean Pronovo, um, I didn't really know Jean, like what a player, like, if you, you know, just go back and look at his stats and, and his time in Pittsburgh. I think four and, times and, a 40 plus goal scorer, right? Right. Like, yeah. you know, crazy, crazy, crazy years. Do you know what I really uh, appreciated about Prony? He was at the end of his time in, in Wash. 
And we were, you know, Mike Gardner, myself, others, we were at the beginning of our time. We were just starting off. But what, I, what we loved about Jean, what I loved about Jean was his, his in, intense love for his wife, Deanne, and his intense love for his family. Right. Yeah. Like, but like you, you, you can't miss those things. And he was a real man uh, of faith too. Right. Oh, totally. And, and I, I think that's what sort of brought me to the place of when, when the plane, you know, we were on a funny plane that uh, sort of hit up, you know, a couple of air pockets and the first one, everybody sort of quiet. And the second one, uh, you know, all the big guys on our team are screaming out the name of Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we're going down. Yeah. And and for the first time in their lives, it's not a swear word, right? Like it's yeah. it's reality. So I got off that plane, and you know I went to Jean, and that's my point. Like when you you, you want to go to somebody that's real, and uh, and I said, Prony, <laughs> if the plane goes down, do I go up? Right? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's that, a good that, question. <laughs> that seems like the appropriate question at that point. <laughs> totally. And, and Jean was awesome. You know, he, he had a big smile on his face. He threw me a New Testament. He said, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> wow. He said, he said, you go read for yourself, kid. And that was really, you know, I'm, I'm a kid with a non-religious background, you know, played hockey every Sunday morning. And, and so my introduction to, you know, the, uh, the New Testament was through Jean Pronovo and, and, and Jean just became a friend then, you know, and, and he was a resource for me from a faith point of view. And it's interesting because you mentioned the Broad Street Bullies and how you couldn't back down on those guys. Um, mm. oh, for, for the younger hockey fans, the Broad Street Bullies is where it was the most intimidating group of players probably in NHL history. Guys that you just, <laughs> you did not want to mess with. Uh, they would threaten you physically. They would come at you, the Bobby Clarks and... Schultz's yeah. and all these guys and, and it kind of had an impact your life experience at that point kind of an, it had an impact when you came in contact with the Broad Street Bullies again down the road, didn't it? <laughs> yeah it sure did you know it's funny uh, uh, and, and you know players will try to get any edge possible right oh, yeah. so inti- intimidation is actually back in the day back in the in the 70s was alive and well and I uh, and the, the Flyers especially because the Capitals were going to play the Flyers so many times I remember early in seasons, uh, certainly the first season I played and the second, the, you know, the Flyers would would pretty much, I don't know if it was their plan, I'm sure it was, you know, we'd have a, a bench-clearing brawl. And that sort of set the scene. And then for the next seven games, you're playing against the Flyers. You know, a, a thing I love about intimidation, uh, and I don't love it, but that I've learned about intimidation, you know, is, is that it takes your mind off the game you you should be playing. Right. Like all, all of a sudden now you're, you're more concerned about, are we going to brawl tonight than you are about, you know, getting in the flow to play your best game. So yeah. I, I'd skeet by their bench. They were sweet. You know, Clarky and those guys were amazing. And uh, instead of telling me to F off or whatever, you know, they'd say, Walter, go read your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was an upgrade actually. So, yeah, that's um, true. But, but, you know, it, it was interesting, uh, Gino, from a faith point of view, and this is just, you know, me as a Christian athlete, that I never started off my career thinking that was going to happen. I'm so thankful it did. But, um, you know, I, I didn't understand how people all of a sudden knew, right? Like, I thought, oh, yeah, this That's is fine. This is a pers- yeah, this is a personal faith, right? You know, yeah. and, and now all of a sudden, like, boom, it's broadcasted across the NHL. 
and it is what it is, right? Uh, you know, you you live your life. You had some you you had some great moments, and we're going to get to that. Obviously, at the cup with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and you know, being roommate with Guy Lafleur and stuff like that. But the transition to that wasn't exactly the smoothest. Um, oh. Red Fisher, I mean, uh, Red Fisher, hockey journalist, legend, 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 hockey journalist with the with the Montreal. Yeah. For about 600 years, I think he was writing. <laughs> it was back in yes. September of 1982. You're, you're part of a blockbuster trade. Uh, Rick Green and yourself go to Montreal in exchange for Brian Engblom, Doug Jarvis, Rod Langway, and Craig Laughlin. Uh, this is what Red Fisher says. The headline in the Montreal Gazette the next day, <laughs> and this is talking <laughs> about the deal that you're going to Montreal, the yeah. worst trade in NHL history. What yeah. was that like as a welcome to Montreal moment for Ryan Walter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what a what a reminder. Um, you know, you're a young kid. I'm early twenties. I got lots of you know lots of maturing to do, mm. and uh, that was a grow up time. That was a grow up time. I mean, I I literally underperformed for the first part of that season. I you know, and and I I love talking to young leaders about this because so many people, and and I'm not excluded from this, but we have a tendency to live our headlines, right? Like you know, and and often that's not that's our quote, headline. Way right? to go, Ryan. Right? That's a great quote. <laughs> yeah, well, we we do though. I lived through that, and it wasn't necessarily um, you know what I believed in myself. It it was what somebody else was putting on me. So, you know, bless his heart. I love Red, and we became friends, friends for many years. Um, but, it, yeah, worst trade in NHL history defined the game I played uh, for that next month. And then, you know, it, it's fun. It was just fun in Montreal only because it's so many uh, amazing players and assets that you could talk to. You know, like I, like I, you mentioned, uh, you know, Guy Lafleur be, became my roommate at the beginning part of the first part of that year. And Flower's a pretty quiet guy. Like, you know what I miss about Flower now, Gino? I miss his smile. Like, yeah. he's just, you know, he comes into the room and he, he just has this way of just sort of lighting the room up with, you know, who he is. And and I miss that. Like, uh, you know, and Flower didn't, he didn't sit you down and say, okay, Ryan, listen up. We're going to school now. Here's yeah. the four things to do to be a professional. And, you know, it's a good good discussion for you and I to have. I had already scored 38 goals in the NHL. I knew how to play in the NHL. But mm. but I didn't really know how to win in the NHL. Mm. And those two things I found throughout my career are very different. And I say that humbly. I mean, I got to Montreal, and, boy, I'm glad I had my eyes open. You know, the way that, the way that Bob Ganey approached the game, the way that Larry Robinson prepared for the game, the way that Flower was committed to not only the game, but to his fans, right? Like he used to get these, you know, can you imagine how many uh, hockey cards Guy Lafleur signed in his career? Like unbelievable. And, and Gino never said no. Like he yeah. would have bags of cards, bags of mail, after most practices at home and he would sit with his coffee and yes, his cigarette. Yeah. Right. And, 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 he, and he'd, and he'd sign everyone. He didn't hire an AE to come in and, you know, copy his signature. And then you remember back in the day where you'd lick the envelope, 
Yes. Right. Like, like I think that was the thing that was the hardest part <laughs> for <laughs> Guy. He had to lick all those envelopes. <laughs> you know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. So you're in Montreal now. Uh, after after kind of a rough introduction to the city, there's 1986. The season's going well. The team's kicking butt. There's so much promise for the Habs. I don't want to tell the story. I want you to tell the story. With three games left, yeah. all of a sudden you're like you're shattered, you know, yeah. physically and emotionally. But you do in the end because you're the public speaker <laughs> that you are today. You turn it around and it finishes with a good story walk our audience through that story yeah thank you gino you know it's interesting where we've uh i wish i had it for you we we haven't quite finished our next book called breakout so that'll be our sixth book and i have no idea why we write books other than jenny my wife is an english major she and people love reading them we all love reading them thank you and this this one will be on the six mindsets uh that you know pretty much affect everything so i'll just walk you through a little bit because it tells that story of 86 so with three games to go in the, in the season, I break my ankle. And uh, boy, you know, I'm just thinking, I was thinking about this the other day. I was so upset. I, I was in the greatest pity party of my life because I know the team's on a roll, right? We, we had been very uh, uh, played poorly in February, March, and come out of it in April. We're on a, a great momentum roll, and we're going to do something. And all I can think of, and we we call this future negative thinking. <laughs> all I can all I can think of is I'm going to miss it. Yeah, right. Like I'm a big part of this team. I, I got a chance to be a big part of the the Canadians in the '80s, and I say big part carefully, right? I I just I played a role that they needed me to play, and here you know we're a big part of it. <laughs> thank you. And 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 here I'm going to miss it. So like I would say, you know, for the first ten. 10 days, you know, especially as the team went through and, you know, beat Boston in the first round. I am, I'm just shaking my head. And, and you, you know, you know, you've experienced this and you've been around the game a lot. When you're injured, you're on the outside. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not your game. You got to stay out of the way. Yeah. And so, and so I was just, you know, I'm shaking my head. I mean, I'm eating a hot dog at uh, the Montreal Forum 
watching the game, and I go, oh, I'm just so upset, angry, PO'd. And, uh, and then it, I don't know. I don't know if this happens. I think it happens to most of us, but I, I sort of snapped. And I said, okay, hold it here. No more. Done. Right? Come on, Ryan. You're supposed to be a professional. Like, get to work. And I sort of made myself just a little deal. And here was the deal I made myself, that every time my guys would play or practice, so every time they're on the ice, I'd work out. Wow. Yeah, and it was just a little deal between me, right? And and so that idea was was uh, was sort of propelled me and got me back to work. You know that was that was the key. You know, it gave me something to do with my time. And I, you know, I I might have been the first NHL player. Or think about it. I've got a cast on my butt, so I, I can't I can't ride the bike. So I took a bike, put it upside down on the table, and taped it to the table. And I, I rode with my arms. <laughs> so, like, I, I looked like Popeye by the time that uh, couple months, uh, month and a half was done. And, you know, I, I love telling the story because as I remember it, and you can talk to Eric Lenster about this, but um, Eric was our orthopedic surgeon, wonderful guy, wonderful doctor. And uh, he had been watching me. And he, he said, Wally, he said, you're in great shape. He said, oh, he said, we shouldn't do this. It's too early. But do you want to take an X-ray? <laughs> and, and 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 I'm going, whoa! You're such a good doctor, right? Like, and uh, and he and he he looks at the X-ray, and there's just the, there's a shadow. You know, he looks at me. He's so he's uh, he's as upset as I am. Yeah. And 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 I'm you know I've got tears in my eyes. I'm thinking I've worked just to get this chance. Eric says to me, "This is how I remember it." Well, he, he said, "I shouldn't do this, but do you want to try it?" <laughs> awesome and and he and he you know we they put some freezing in and gate 10 you know taped it up and it wasn't great but wasn't bad and i got a chance to play you know the 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 five games of the uh, uh 1986 final against calgary and i am so thankful like i think a lot of times you know you hear about the great you hear about gila fleur you hear about you know Ganey and Robinson and all of those guys, but you very seldom hear about the training staffs and the doctors. And those are the guys that, that really impacted my career and impacted me, you know, in a big way. And that was an example of, uh, of Eric getting me into the game. Right. And, uh, and I, was you know, I, I, after that yeah. big, huge journey, Ryan, that, I mean, you, you, you thought for sure, I'm not going to be a part of this. You felt like an outsider yeah. watching this. And all of a sudden, you're back. Not only back in, but you're contributing. You get to play the last five games, and then you you take the Stanley Cup. I mean, what is that like at that moment? The sense that <laughs> holy crap, it really happened. Yeah, great moment, great moment. And uh, I don't know. I was just you know, it's such a for me. It was it was important. It was the cup. It was the Canadian dream. It was all of that. But your point's a good one. It was also, oh my goodness, you know what a journey in the last month and a half, right? Like it was, it was real. I I, th I think the other thing that happened, you know, I'm not sure people know this. Uh, you shouldn't know this, but you know, we win the cup in Calgary, game five, and so now I I don't need my skate sharp because we're done, and so I run out with my skates on the cement, <laughs> and I go out. And 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 I told my mom and dad. Mom and dad drove in uh, with my two brothers and my sister. They drove in for the game, uh, 
got them tickets in Calgary. They're, you know, from Burnaby, British Columbia. And, uh, and I, 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 you know, so basically with my skates on, on the cement, I'm running across the cement. And I told him, you know, when we went, uh, you know, be down at this gate and, I, and I'll come get you. So I, I got a chance to get mom and dad and uh, my two brothers, Brent and George, and my sister Donna into uh, the dressing room. And, and the reason I tell you that story, you know, is, is that when the cup, you know, the cup in the dressing room comes around and everybody gets a chance and you have a drink, uh, you know, of whatever. It's funny because all the guys were, I didn't drink that much in those days. And all the guys, the biggest question they had is, Wally, when we win the cup, are you going to drink champagne out of it? You know? And, and I said, yes, absolutely. And, you know, Gino, the cup came to me and it was dry. <laughs> it, they drank it all. <laughs> So, so the, cup cool. came, the cup came to me, and what I wanted, and I am so thankful for this, is the cup came to us. Yeah, as a family. Right. Re- because if you think about the, the sacrifice, how do you become a hockey, an NHL hockey player in Burnaby, British Columbia? Your mom and dad get up early. They're committed. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it was such a, a great moment, right? And I've got this photo you know, Jean Perron sort of jumped into the photo. It was awesome. But, of you know, of my family uh, with the cup, and, and it was it was a great moment. Great moment, great career, 15 long years um, that you had a chance to play. And I, I've heard you tell this story before, and I, and I want you to recount this. Um, you're wrapping up your career in, with Montreal. Uh, Pat Burns is the head coach at that point, one of the grumpiest but best coaches of all time, starts to, your ice time is diminishing. And the Serge Savard, who we've had on this this show, I didn't get him to tell the story because I didn't know this story, but I want you to tell me the story of coffee with the general manager of the Montreal yeah. Canadian, Serge Savard. Tell me about that. Yeah, this is, uh, this is how I remember that story. You know, Donna, uh, his EA, wonderful lady, um, gives me a call and says, uh, Ryan, uh, Serge would like to have a coffee with you. <laughs> so like, Gino, like, come on, I should be, you know, I should wake up a little bit. You, you know, I should have a better sense of what's going on here. I'm, I'm nine seasons in to my career in Montreal and I just have really enjoyed every season. So uh, I'm Serge is, is such an amazing guy. I just love Serge Chabart. And and he had the, he had really good coffee in 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 his GM room, and so he had a great coffee. Of course, he's got his cigar, and uh, you know, with Serge, it's always small talk. And you know, the thing that Serge does really well, he was probably ahead of his time from a leadership development point of view, is he asks great questions. Yeah, right. Like he's he, very he, pensive, he, very thoughtful. Yeah, very interested. Yeah, and curious, right? So, yeah. so how's it going, Ryan? You know, this and that. And then as I remember it, he sort of looks at me and he says, you know, he says, uh, Ryan, like, are you interested in maybe coaching? You know, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking <laughs> one day, like down the road, like, and, yeah. and then I said, I said to Serge, I think I can still play, Serge, you know? And then he, he looks at me, he says, well, have you ever sort of wondered about getting into management? <laughs> and I, I'm, Gino, like, I'm still not catching on, right? Like, and then he, he finally says, would you like to scout? <laughs> 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 I, 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Wake up. Anyway, uh, I said, Serge, you know, I think I can still play. And he said, well, he said, where do you want to play? <laughs> That's and, a you rough know, thing to hear, man. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I should have been ready. Um, and you know what was beautiful about Serge is, is I had my, my little sister, Donna, had gone through a very difficult uh, postpartum depression after her first baby. She was out in the lower mainland, British Columbia. And the first thought of my mind, Serge said, where do you want to play? And I said, Vancouver. You know, I'm, I want to go home. And I didn't help know the story take- of your sister. That's amazing. Yeah. Help take care of the family. And, you know, Serge picked up the phone, called Berkey and Pat Quinn. And, you know, I, I remember saying to Berkey, it was funny. Uh, we didn't even negotiate. Uh, Berkey's, uh, Berkey said, I'll give you this much. I said, yep, I'm in. Wow. And uh, and we got a chance to play the last two seasons. I didn't play much, but I'm so thankful to the Canucks. They allowed me to get the 1,000 games in. And, yeah. uh, and you, you know, my goal – yeah, and I got a chance to be by the family when when we needed to be together. You had a wonderful career, and, and the, but the thing, the word that the word that keeps coming through my mind, obviously Stanley Cup champion, but leader, 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 and it didn't, it wasn't accidental. Like even in talking to you, it's like every step of the way, you're looking for a mentor, you're looking for somebody to learn mm-hmm. from. You in your story about Serge, you were like. I was hearing a very difficult conversation, but I was hearing it and watching the way he was handling it. And you learned from that. And then at, you're 45 years old. You're in great shape. You're, you've got a good thing going and you go back to school to get your <laughs> master's in leadership. Where did that come from? Where did that mindset come from? That need to say, there's mm. got to be something else here when this is all yeah. done. Great question, Gina. You know, I love broadcasting. I love being with you guys. I love color. You know, I just did a little bit of color. I mean, uh, my goal was just to try to bring insights to the fans that are watching and that are listening. Um, and I love that. And I think I could have done it for a long time. Yeah, you were good at it. It came easily Thank to you. you and people really respected <laughs> you for it. Thank you. And, and here's what happened. I, I got, I've, got, I've got two big issues in my life. Number one is curiosity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm curious. Like that, like like, you know, Gina, the question that I sort of wake up with on my brain every day, and this is, I am a weird duck, is why do some teams win and why do some teams lose when they have the same skill? What What's the differentiator? And, of course, you know it's leadership, yeah. right? It's it's the way the team feels about each other. It's, it's, it's how do you get that in place? Because we don't have perfect players. You're never going to have perfect players. And, and we're always going to have issues. People are always trying to get the perfect team. The thing I love about people is, you know, you got to work with the people you have. Yeah. And, and so that's leadership because you've got to think through about being intentional. You know, I think that might be my key word now as Jenny and I do leadership across the world. We've got a chance to go into Thailand here in the next little bit and do some leadership development. And, right. and I think, you know, that's, that's the key word in 2023, 2024. Leaders are busy. And so if we're not intentional, we can, we can work, but we're not going to win, right? We're, we, we've got to be very intentional with the things that we do. So I think that's the first word is curiosity is, you know, I love this industry because I don't know, I haven't really, I should count them up. I think I've, I've read over 40 books this past season. 
And I say that humbly only yeah. because I, I'm curious. And you're learning. I wanna, and I, you're and I'm learning. Yeah, and I'm growing. Like, that's what I love about this, this whole piece of leadership is it's never done. I did a master's degree, and that just wet my appetite. Hmm. I think the other, the other word, so, so I'm certainly curious. And, and I think the other word that hits me, and, and I'm trying to find this in my life, and I hope I can always try to do this, it, is how do we add maximum value to people? Yeah. Right? Like, so it's not about Ryan. This life's not about me. Right. This life is how do you how do you help people? How do you add value to people? And you know, Jenny and I love writing books and and people will often say to me, Why do you write, Brian? And I, I sort of shake my head because I haven't I'm not that deep. I haven't thought that through yet. <laughs> but 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 I think here's why I write. I've been thinking about this lately. It's probably for a single mom. Yes, it's for leaders. Yes, it's for high performance. Yes, it's for team. Probably for a single mom who's, you know, struggling to put things together for her family and just needs in the moment to have some encouragement. Wow. Right? Like it's it's that, it's how do you add value to people when they need it? And and so that you know, those two things sort of come together with what we do these days. And it uh, blows it blows me away because week after <laughs> week we do this show and to see what guys are doing post careers, the scale is just it's, it just goes like I've had guys on the show before who are now, you know, Chris Pronger and guys who are making and Ed Belfort who are making whiskey products and um, guys who are now world travelers and guys who run travel agencies and guys and authors like you're, you know, you're one of a number of authors that we've had on the show. It's always amazing to me. And it's always so much fun to catch up, to find out what you guys are doing at this point in your career. It's always great. And I can't tell you how much I've appreciated this time in our conversation. I want to do something with you. I want to, I want to play at the end of every one of these shows. We do something called five fast facts where I don't want you to think about it too much. Just give me almost like word association. I'll say something. And then you tell me your quick answer on that. Okay. Y'all set for that. Good. All right. Good to go. I'm now five fast facts with Ryan Walter, the best teammate you ever played with. Ah, best friend, Mike Gardner. Nice. Garts is a good guy. We've had him on the show. He was a phenomenal guest. Who was the best coach you ever played for? Jacques Lemaire. Yeah. He, he, he teaches uh, he, he teaches guys time and time. And we have Brian Rolson who said by far he was the guy who made his career happen. Who did you hate playing against the most and why? <laughs> Scott Stevens. Uh, you know, Scott was an amazing player. Uh, he was one of these players though that you know would come would you know, during in the neutral zone we, he'd step up and if you and i often had my head down <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, yeah, i paid the price so he he would be one of them i mean we had uh in our day we had so many tough guys yeah favorite nhl city to play in used to be in the early days was la because you got sunshine right when uh, i think everybody loved that but um, you know, I, I really enjoyed Chicago. It was the it was my first NHL game on the road in Chicago in the old building. My first faceoff that I took was against Stan Makita. You know, like that. So I just have great memories. Yeah. If you hadn't become an NHL player, what career do you think you would have had? Well, I wondered about being a lawyer, but I don't know. Do you know that's a great question? I I, I think it would have been uh, somewhere where I could have added, you know, maximum value for people. Yeah, man. I, I, you seem like you're happy. 
You seem like you <laughs> enjoying things. Um, you got five kids, right? Three boys and a couple of daughters. And yep. I, I'm just, I'm just so glad you look great. You look healthy. I'm so glad you're doing so well, buddy. This has been so much fun catching up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to be with you. Over a thousand games in the NHL, a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens, one of the great leaders in NHL history, Ryan Walter. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population will require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say... Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.